me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. I'm Nick Quinton, your host, and this week we are trying to understand the question that is in pretty much every human's mind, um, which is why do we age and why is aging synonymous with um, kind of losing health and not not living the fullest life um i think we associate aging with sort of uh, you know seeing out our days and, and getting a little bit more decrepit and, and losing um losing our, our sort of energy and, and vitality as as we age well my guest today is disrupting that notion that paradigm massively in the work that she's doing um and this is an incredible episode uh, all about longevity, uh, the aging process and, and the really interesting science that's just coming out now about um, how we, we're getting a bit more of an understanding of how that process works and um, how we can re-engineer it, reverse engineer it so we can have a much longer health span. The, the guest this week is Dr. Nicola Conlon, um, and she is really doing some fascinating work in, in this space. Nicola does an amazing job of uh, dissecting it and, and unpacking that this uh, quite deep science that, that she's um, researched for, for, for quite a long time now um, and really putting it into layman's terms, how, how longevity uh, ca can be impacted by the actions we take um, and how the body actually ages. So um, vital, I think, in our understanding of, of how to progress through life and how to get healthier and, and stronger for longer, which is kind of what I'm about in, in, in everything that I do and the messages that I put out. And, you know, again, it's a very congruent um, guest with everything that's going on in, in my space and, and, and the health community and, and everything that I'm passionate about. Um, without further ado, guys, I want you to welcome Dr. Nicola Conlon. And before we get started, I was so impressed by the work that uh, Nicola is doing and her organisation that I asked for a discount code for my listeners. So um, if you listen all the way to the end, you will uh, obviously hear about the supplements that she's delivering. And um, right at the very end, I'll drop you guys a discount code so you can get 20% off if you want to try them out and, uh, you know, give them, a go, give them a go for yourself. Right, let's do this. Dr. Nicola Condon, welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Uh, maybe you can start with um, just, a, just a kind of background of and the vital work you're doing and, and why it's such a passion of yours. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Nick. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll begin at the start, <laughs> which was um, back when I, you know, I decided I, I really wanted to get into science and ultimately be a scientist, which is what I am. Um, I've always had a, a fascination with the human body um, and really just how amazing it is and how complex it is and how somehow we exist. Um, you know, that's always been really fascinating to me. So that kind of led me down this path um, to study human biology. Um, I did a, my degree in physiology. I did a master's in research and how to conduct research. I guess that was, you know, pointing towards my, my naturally inquisitive nature of trying to understand how things work. Um, and, and then I ended up doing a PhD, which was very much focused on um, drugs and nutrients and how when you take a drug or you eat a food, um, do those molecules or those nutrients or the drugs actually get from your mouth and actually into the cells where you need them to work, basically. Um, and from that, I, I kind of decided that a career in, in drug development um, was something that I was interested in. Um, I wanted to look at how I could use this science to benefit people. Um, and to begin with, you know, the obvious choice was, okay, medicines um, drugs um, going into that field would be, would be a relevant way of using science to help people. So I ended up going and working um, for a drug development company and a biotech company. Um, and I worked on various um, drug development projects, including cancer, cancer projects, so immunotherapies. I worked on um, 
the new degeneration projects, pain projects. Um, and ultimately, I ended up working on aging. And aging is something that most people don't associate with drug development because everyone says, well, you know, why, why would you be looking at drugs to stop aging? Um, and now that is what I spend my career ultimately doing, uh, looking at drugs that will slow aging. Right, cool. Excellent. And that's uh, led me nicely into kind of the fundamental focus of what you're doing. Um, so for, for kind of the lay person out there that might have had a, because I think what you're suggesting is a massive paradigm shift in, in how people consider uh, the aging process. Um, and I know that a lot, of, a lot of your messaging is around that disruption of thought patterns, thinking you, we don't just get old and get crumbly and, and fall apart. You know, there is a, another option. Um, so how do, you, how do you frame that for kind of the lay person? Yeah, I mean, I always forget that I'm so deeply entwined in this science that I just sort of throw it in there and say, oh yeah, I'm developing drugs for aging, we're going to slow aging. And everyone just looks at me like I'm a total nutter because <laughs> for most people that is so far removed from what, what they believe and what they believe is possible. Um, you know, and, I, and I guess going right back to basics, um, a lot of people don't actually understand what aging is. Um, so a lot of people will say, you know, you, you'll ask them, well, what is aging and what do you understand about it? And the response that you tend to get is, um, well, it's just a fact of life. You know, it's just a biological fact. It's something that's programmed into us. Um, you know, it's, it's wear and tear. It's, you know, making room for another generation. But if you actually get people to try and dig into that a little bit deeper and go, but, but what's happening? Like, why does it happen? You know, people can't answer that. Um, and, and it's only kind of in the, you know, the last 10, 20 years, even within the science that people have really started to get a, a much more deeper understanding of why it actually happens. Um, and one of the things that I tend to have a lot of conversations about is that question, what, what is aging? So, um, you know, aging, if you think about it, is actually quite strange um, because nature has put, a, you know, so much effort into creating our bodies, you know, taking a, a you know, a single cell from, you know, a, when a fertilized egg and sperm all the way through to a really complex organism like ourselves that has you know, 40,000 billion cells in it, that's amassed memories and it's, it can think and it can do all these amazing things that, you know, why does nature seem to abandon, you know, us, our bodies? Like, why would it go to such great lengths at trying to, 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 to make this really complex thing and then just abandon it? Only to grow, you know, new babies and start from scratch. Why wouldn't it repair ourselves and keep these these bodies going that it's worked so hard to build it like it doesn't make sense aging and mortality are not logical things and for for a lot of people when things that don't make sense or they're not logical you kind of just box them away and just go well it's just a fact of life you know that's just the way it is I don't get it but that's just what happens um or they get they get kind of um overlaid with misconceptions of, of people trying to explain something that's not very logical and, and put logic to it. So one of the, the misconceptions is like this wear and tear theory of aging, this idea that, well, you know, we're working day in, day out, we're moving, we're thinking, we're breathing. Uh, surely, you know, like a machine, our bodies must just simply wear out. But the problem is that's not actually true when you start looking at the science behind it. Because if you take metabolism, so that's like the, the collective um, name for all the processes in your body that are kind of keeping us alive. If the wear and tear theory was true, then that would mean that organisms or species that had a much higher metabolism would age faster 
than organisms or species that had a lower metabolism. But this simply doesn't happen. So if you look in nature, um, if you compare a mouse and a bat, so they both have a very similar metabolic rate or similar metabolism, yet a mouse will only live two years and a bat can live up to 30 years. So that completely throws that theory that everyone tries to use on its head. Mm -hmm. So the answer is that wear and tear does contribute to aging and it's part of the cause of aging, but it's not a reason why we actually age. And the other misconception or, or the logic that people try to, to use is that actually is, is aging just nature's way of making room for, for younger animals, basically. You know, we've got limited food and resources, so we'll let the old animals die to make way for the young, fit, healthy animals. But again, there's a serious flaw in even that argument because it's a circular argument. Because if we didn't age, then why would we have to make room for anything? So the, quite a lot of the, the, the popular reasons that people automatically think of when they think of aging just you know, simply don't make sense. The other thing is that you know, often in um, nature, you don't actually see aging. So if you look at animals, a lot of animals will die in nature due to natural causes before they ever get a chance to age. So, you know, in a lot of species, aging doesn't really happen. Um, so with all that in mind, it's, you know, why do we actually age? So That's the question, isn't it? Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. And that generally the most accepted theory is, you know, that, Basically, aging for us as humans is a relatively new concept. If you look back to prehistoric times, um, or, or, or not even prehistoric times, like you know, hundreds of years ago, which in, in, in terms of humanity is a very short space of time, um, we didn't live very long. You know, we, we were lucky and doing pretty well if we made it to age 40. Um, and aging simply didn't exist in the way that we know it today because we didn't have time to get old. And this is a problem that we have now is now we are living much longer lives because sanitation's improved, healthcare's improved. And in a very short space of time, we've gone from having lifespans that lasted, you know, 40 years if we were lucky, to lifespans where we're looking at 70s, 80s in developed countries over a very short space of time. And if you look at it in evolutionary terms, um, evolution hasn't had a chance to, to catch up. And what I mean by this is... Um, because we've only ever been used to living lives that were very short, evolution has only selected for traits that helped us to live really good, fit, healthy lives when we're young and give us that survival advantage when we're young. But because we died before we ever got old, evolution never had a chance to, make, to select for traits that would make us good at being old. So we haven't evolved as a species to be good at being old. There's, there's nothing within our genes that has been selected for as a trait that will help us age well, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, if, if you, again, it's, it only makes sense if you look at it in terms of evolution, because why, why would evolution try to save genes that would never actually be helpful for us if we all died because uh, we had a tooth abscess when we were 30? we never got a chance to almost test those genes that could have helped us live longer because we never have the opportunity to. And it takes a lot of energy for the body to invest in, in keeping us young and healthy and repairing everything. So why would it invest this energy if it was very likely we would never live long enough to actually require it? So that in very quick fly through terms, it, you know, is, is the theory of, of, why, um, of why we actually age. It's simply that our bodies haven't evolved to be good at being old. So we, we're good at being young and healthy, but then we're not good at maintaining our sort of cells as, at, at past a certain age. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. And, and you know, the... 
the, that whole theory is, is called the disposable soma theory of aging. And, and what it essentially means is that our bodies, our soma, is, is like a disposable shell for our genes. And, our, you know, we are genetically designed to pass our, our genes on to our offspring. And um, once we're kind of done that, that challenge in life, um, our body's then disposable. Why on earth would, would uh, our bodies invest more energy when it's performed its duty almost? Mm, Which nice. is not, it's a bit of a grim thing to think of, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah i i think yeah on one's one hand very much so but i think on the other hand kind of if you're if you're of a spiritual nature returning to the universe it kind of makes sense yeah. <laughs> from, <laughs> from that sense but I, I, you know um so okay so you and, and your, your 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 work's been spent trying to understand that in more depth and kind of uh change the equation so we're able to age well i guess yeah so the reason that i ended up getting involved in in the aging work was really because there was a lot of fundamental changes that and discoveries that happened over the last around eight seven eight nine years um, that have really, really changed the field of aging and what everybody now believes. Mm -hmm. So if you were to, you know, speak to, to some really good, reputable scientists that were studying aging about 15 years ago, they would have all told you that aging is an inevitable process. There is absolutely nothing you can do about it. We just have to manage the damage. Um, and, you know, that is absolutely what everyone believed. But over, over time, this has really changed because what's been now demonstrated is that actually aging isn't inevitable. It is something that is almost plastic that can actually be changed and it can be slowed. It can be reversed and it can be, you know, it can be even, you know, talking about complete rejuvenation and to begin with, people that was, were looking at this area of science were almost mocked. Um, it was something that couldn't be done and it was a ridiculous idea. Um, but that's all changing. And the reason people started to look at aging in a different way is because they said, okay, so we've got this problem in society now where we've got an aging population. A lot of people are living longer, but they are not living longer in good health. So they're spending a huge proportion of their lives with multiple diseases, with frailty, you know, not, not able to live a quality independent life. Um, and a lot of these diseases such as cancer, heart disease, dementia, their main actual sort of uh, risk factor, if you call it, um, is aging. So despite having all these institutes working separately on cancer and dementia and heart disease, but never actually talking to each other, all of the diseases that they were studying all had the same major underlying risk factor, which was the older you got, the more chance you had of getting it. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, just a, a, an insignificant risk. I'm talking about, um, you know, hit 50, your risk of cancer goes through the roof. Mm -hmm. um, hit 70, if you haven't already got Alzheimer's, you can be pretty, Alzheimer's or dementia or a neurological decline, and um, you can be pretty much guaranteed it's on its way. Um, you know, it is severe risk factors. Um, so scientists start to say, well, if, if all of these diseases have aging as their main risk factor, then why don't we flip this on its head? And why don't we say, actually, aging's the disease, cancer, heart disease, dementia, diabetes, they're symptoms of aging. And if they're the symptoms, why, why instead of treating the symptoms, do we, don't we try and target the actual root cause, which is aging itself? So again, people were seriously laughed at for doing this. You know, people tried to apply for grants for their research and said, you know, I've got this great idea, I'm going to slow aging and hopefully because it's a root cause, it'll impact all these diseases. And they were literally laughed out the room. Um, you know, it's a ridiculous idea, it'll never work. But actually, all of the research that has now come out shows that this is absolutely the case and that you can actually manipulate aging, you can slow it, 
you can reverse it and the huge huge sort of revelation of all this is that actually it has a massive impact on all of those diseases that as society we're suffering from yeah uh, well i i can understand you know the process it, it makes perfect sense to me i guess is my point and you know if you couple it with the the understanding that having a healthy lifestyle and making healthy choices in your life will increase your i, I call it health span it's kind of the the age at which you start to deteriorate um it, it makes perfect sense actually to, to focus on the aging process and understand that versus yeah like everything else i, I guess the the challenge when you when, with the institutional setup is the the siloed nature as well and the kind of politics um but but it, yeah i mean it, it it really does make sense to me but but i think that there is a real difficulty for kind of the, the, the lay person to, to, to get their head around this when we see the numbers of, of people that are older and unwell with a, some sort of chronic illness. Um, so what's your, like, before we get into kind of, the, uh, you know, I want to get into what you see as the, the keys to longevity uh, in terms of uh, the, the science that you, you're involved in. Um, but what what actually makes us age what makes our cells age what in terms of the the the, the, the poor poor choices or whatever they might be what what are those factors yeah so a lot of the the research that's come out which has demonstrated that you can um slow and reverse aging answers that question of what is actually happening in the cells um so there, there's multiple things that are happening um, so I guess I'll, I'll begin with, um, with one thing, um, is something called um, senescence. So this will be a term that a lot of people will not be familiar with. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's quite new in the science field, let alone for, for ordinary members of the public. But it's very interesting, so I'll explain it. Um, so senescence is this idea that um, within your cells, every day, they are getting exposed to damage. So that could be damage from your metabolism. It can be damage from UV radiation from the sun. It could be from your diet, smoking, anything like that. But your cells are continually exposed to damage. And this damage damages the DNA. And the DNA is what makes up basically everything that is important in your cells. And that damage must be repaired. Because if it's not repaired, then you essentially can get cancer. So... What happens is when you get damage in your cells, if the cell can repair it, it will repair it. If it can't repair it, it almost sets off this alarm bell saying, okay, uh, we've got such a lot of damage in this cell. The cell is a write-off, you know, we cannot repair it. Um, we need to do something about this urgently before this cell turns cancerous. So what happens is the cell will, instead of just, um, you know, exploding and disappearing and, and getting recycled, it gets put to sleep. And this is called cellular senescence. And it, it basically means sleeping cells. And this is really, really good when we are young, because what it does is it stops us from getting cancer. So it prevents any cells that could become cancerous from actually getting to the stage where they do become cancerous. So this is this idea of something that has evolved to keep us really in good condition when we're young. The problem is we're now living a lot longer. And what that means is that a lot of our cells have been exposed to damage. A lot of them have been written off. They've become senescent. They've gone to sleep. So now when by the time that you're in, you know, you're elderly, so say you're in your 70s, there is about 30% of your organs that are actually made up from senescent cells. Mm. And these are cells that actually aren't, they're asleep. They're not performing the functions. So this is why your heart becomes weaker. Your, you know, your liver's not functioning as well. Your kidneys don't function as well. Your skin elasticity reduces because the cells that are making up all those tissues are simply not working anymore. So that is an exact example of this evolutionary thing. We have evolved to be good at being young, but as we get old, some of the things that actually make us good at staying young are actually bad for us as we get older. 
The other thing about these cells is they don't just sit quietly asleep. It's been found that they actually secrete a lot of inflammation. And it's very well known that as you get older, you have higher elevated levels of inflammation. And a lot of it is down to these senescent cells. They're, they're literally like toxic, leaking out toxic waste. And what's been demonstrated is if you can have a drug that would selectively remove some of these senescent cells, then actually you can hugely reverse many aspects of aging simply by just getting rid of some of these problematic cells. Wow. So that is something that a lot of drugs companies are working on and that I believe will be available, you know, within our lifetimes where we will take a drug at when we get to a certain age that will actually remove some of these problematic cells from our bodies. And when they've done this in, um, in cellular experiments and animal experiments, what they find is you can literally take an old mammal, like an old mouse, give it a drug that will remove senescent cells and it is young again. Like its hair grows back young, it is running around like a young mouse from you know literally being a little old hunchback mouse man. <laughs> um, so they, they were, the science and what is, is possible is actually quite mind-blowing. You know, this idea that you can literally not just slow aging, but by doing something so simple as taking a drug to remove some of these cells, actually complete rejuvenation. Yeah, I mean, that is mind-blowing. And I, I don't know, um, your area is not sort of stem cell. It sounds it sounds it's kind of like stem cell regeneration, but the opposite in terms of just removing them. It sounds like a simpler, more logical process, but, um, but it, it, is, is the stem cell work similar in, in that regard? Yeah. So one thing about aging is that it, it's, it's, there's many things that happen at the same time that cause it. Um, it's not just one thing. So these senescent cells are one small part of it. Stem cell exhaustion is, a, is another major problem. Your stem cells are the cells that basically rejuvenate any, anything that's worn out in your body. They replace them. They make young, new, healthy cells. And you get to a stage where those stem cell pools are just exhausted. Um, and a lot of the work that's being done in this field as well is, is about trying to rejuvenate stem cell pools so that you don't run out of um, fresh, young stem cells that have the ability to make new tissues as we grow older. That's, that's another really important area. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so how do, we, how do we avoid, in the first place, getting as many senescent cells? What are, the, what are those choices we can physically make? So senescence, what you have to think about is it's a protective measure. So every time you're having damage in your body, this senescence process is starting to kick in. So, you know, if um, in your 20s you were lying on a beach covered in carrot oil <laughs> trying to get a tan then you'll probably have a lot more senescent cells in your skin than somebody who was covering themselves in factor 50 um, and, and trying to protect the skin and avoid any of that damage. Um, so throughout our lives, try, you know, it's inevitable that we will get damaged just from breathing and our own metabolism. But obviously, you know, it sounds boring, but the things that you all, always get told, you know, told about in that, you know, a diet that's healthy, plenty of sleep so you can repair, not smoking, not excessively drinking, um, you know, wearing Factor 50 sun cream, um, UV damage from the skin is a major cause of senescent cells in the skin. So, yeah, I guess that was my point, really. It's, it's, we're, not, we're not suggesting, or you're not suggesting in, 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 in the ageing world that, you know, you can ignore the lifestyle factors when it comes to this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, just going in, in, into what I said before about there's, there are multiple things that, that kind of go wrong as we age, and they're all to do with this idea that our body almost stops repairing itself. Um, one of the other major breakthroughs was something called um, epigenetic reprogramming. 
which is something that sounds really complicated. Um, but basically what it is, is that in every single cell in our body, we have the same genes. So it doesn't matter whether it's a, a skin cell or a liver cell, it all has the same genes, which is like the instruction manual of what that cell needs to become. The reason one cell becomes a skin cell and one becomes a liver cell is just because different, a different set of those genes is switched on or off telling that cell what to become. Now, as we get older, the, the, the cord of genes that is plays in a cell starts to actually change. And it, it can, you know, mean that repair processes start to get shut down. It can mean that, you know, we don't, um, our metabolism isn't working as well. But the amazing thing is, is that those genes are still there. They haven't disappeared. They've just been switched off. And actually, you can, if you can reprogram those cells to switch those youthful genes back on that do have the ability to keep youthful, youthful repair going, then you could actually slow or reverse aging. So scientists have now demonstrated that this is entirely possible. Those genes are there. Our body's ability to repair and rejuvenate itself is there within us it just gets switched off as we age. So let's switch it back on again. And that's what a lot of research in this field is looking at, um, especially companies like mine, which are looking at you know things like supplements that people could be taking to actually help switch those repair processes back on. So as well as you know the, the lifestyle, you, you're kind of helping the body on its way back to what it did so well when it was young yeah and that's and that i mean we, we we've mentioned it but i just want to reiterate the point that you made there which is we have the ability to regenerate and rejuvenate and it's not a given that we're all on this trajectory to get old and decrepit um and that's that's the fundamental isn't it that's the fundamental point i think that's that's so vital to get across to people because i think so many people are caught in this uh trap of thinking that oh well i'm a bit older now and i hear a lot so i coach guys in their 30s and 40s and you know i hear it a lot that they're oh yeah i used to be really fit in my 20s i used to play a lot of sport um but now i'm a bit older or, you know i don't want to i don't want to do too much i just want to get a little bit healthier and, and you can't you know that's makes my um makes mm -hmm. my kind of toes curl and, and makes my ears sort of hurt because i don't want to hear that from people because i i've fundamental that this belief is my is my fundamental belief that there's no reason why you can't be fitter in your 40s than you were in your 20s and you can't kind of you know get away from that paradigm of of that sort of dogmatic thinking of oh, we'll get old and you know we get put in a home and, and yeah. you know it's it's yeah it's, it's hard to hear but i hear it a lot and i think you know that's why i'm kind of drawing a point that you've made yeah. um home <laughs> kind of to, to, the, to the, anyone that's out there listening and that's kind of my message and shouting you know, um, i totally agree with you on that and you know the one thing that i i always say to people is we are programmed by society to have this life trajectory which is that we're born we learn we earn we retire we expire <laughs> everyone thinks that is the path of life and you know one of the reasons that we're so programmed to believe that is because if we just believe it to begin it like it's a given then it helps us accept this awful thing that until recently people thought we couldn't do anything about which is aging if people just go ah well you know that's it you know i'm past it now um that's kind of a way people cope with it. And this is why it's so hard to get people to think differently about it. Because mm -hmm. first of all, the science is really young and it just seems really far-fetched unless you, you're working in it every day like I am. And then trying to get people to sort of change that, you know, that dogma of this is what happens is, is, is really, really tough. But I'm so confident that the science now is so strong that it's only going to pick up momentum and, you know, people are going to start hearing a lot more about this idea of health spam, mm -hmm. which you touched upon as earlier, you know, which is, is a perfect example um, to use 
with people to get them to understand what this is all about. We're not talking about making people, you know, live longer because people go, why would I want to live longer if I'm in a care home, you know, and I can't get out of a chair. And it's like, no, that is not what it's about. It is about increasing your health span, which is the number of years that you will live in good health, free from frailty, disease, and live an independent and happy life, hopefully. <laughs> um, and your lifespan is just the number of years you live. You don't want to be looking at that. You want to be looking at your health span because right now there's a huge deficit between lifespan and health span. So I think that the current stats are um, for, for a child, for a female born in 2009, which is the date I always use because that's when my daughter was born, she is expected to live, I think it's 83 years, an average lifespan, yet her health span at current rates is only expected to be 63 years. That means, you know, at the moment, if nothing changes, she's expected to spend 20 years of her life in quite frankly, not a very nice state. And it's when you start, you know, breaking it down like that for people and they go, yeah, actually, you know, I know what you mean because my parents have been in a care home now, you know, for 10 years and they, they can't even remember who I am and they can't get out the chair and I don't want to end up like that. And then it's like, well, this is what we're doing. We are trying to, to, to work on the science so that people don't have to end up like that. And I am telling you now that there is an answer and there's a lot of good science behind it now. So if you can start taking steps now and following what is actually happening in this science community, there is a good chance that you will not end up like that. Yeah, that's just powerful words really is powerful, powerful stuff. And and I think that's a tragedy of our age, really, that, that, that you know, that, that, that vision of, of getting old and going into a care home um, is so, so prevalent and it's, it's tragic. Um, I see people, you know, obviously I spent my life, not my life, the last eight years I was on, on an ambulance going to lots of care homes and, and, you know, the quality of life is so poor. Um, and I, I just pick up on the, the numbers that you said. So that, that 63 to 83 or whatever it was um that 20 years is that because we're getting unhealthier as a, as, a, as a population i think i think it's a mix but predominantly it's because we've got an aging population so people are just living longer and like i said we're not designed to live that long our bodies just can't cope with it mm. uh, and that's what all the science is about it's we know that the, the repair and maintenance is still there within our bodies. It just starts getting switched off after we've kind of passed our childbearing age, but it's still within there. So it's all about trying to almost reignite that and also help to repair some of the damage that has happened. Yeah. Okay. Right. I want to uh, um, switch fire and um, talk about, the, the organ your organization and, and the, the supplements and bits and pieces but before we do that i'm not i can't get away from the the conversation we had on the phone prior to this uh, podcast and um, you've you've got a background from big pharma as well big pharmaceuticals and uh, you know you, my understanding from what you were saying was you know and this is off on a slight tangent is is the process for selecting and delivering drugs to market uh, isn't necessarily based on the best drug um, or the best science yeah. um, and I, you know I've got you and I just don't want to kind of skim over that can you elaborate on that conversation and, and what you meant by that yeah I guess this you know this leads very nicely on why I started my company yeah um, so I, when so drug development it's a very complex process um, in general it will take you know, on average 13 years and cost hundreds of millions to get a single drug to market. Um, I think the stats are around 0.1% of molecules tested actually ever work and make it through, you know, one in 10,000 uh, molecules make it to a drug. Um, they're not good stats and it's quite an inefficient process. And one of the main criteria when selecting molecules that will become a drug is whether a company can 
own it so whether they can patent it so a patent for anyone that doesn't know just basically means that you own the rights to that intellectual property so that idea or that invention and it has to be something that's new and novel and it's not in the in the public um literature or anything like that um, so any any molecules that a company will take forward and develop as drugs they must be able to own that fully otherwise it means that any other drugs company could come along and use all of the research that they have done and paid for and start selling that exact same drug but if you've got a patent on it it means other companies can't do that and they will own that drug for 20 years and that is so important because a, a company will not develop a drug and put hundreds of millions into it if they can't own it for at least a short period of time and make all the money they, they can out of it. Now, the ethical problem with this is that um, in drug development, to begin with, you will screen hundreds of molecules. And quite often what will happen is you will end up with a list of molecules that actually work. So you, you'll screen them in a cell line and, and see what actually kills what you want it to kill, for example. Um, and then somebody like me who worked at, at these companies would actually go through the list and say, okay, um, this is the best, the, be the, the molecule that worked best. Does anyone else own it? or is it known within the literature to have these types of effects? And if either of those questions was answered, yes, uh, someone owns it, or yes, it's quite well known that this drug, say, kills cancer cells, then no matter how well it worked in the assays, it could have cured cancer, the drugs companies will not touch it because they cannot get a patent on it. So quite often what happens is the, the, the drugs that actually go through into trials are not the best candidates. They are, they are the fourth or fifth down the list. And there are actually things that performed much better, but drugs companies won't go after them if they're already well known or they're already owned. Um, it just doesn't make commercial sense for them. So you, you can understand why they do it from a commercial perspective, but from an ethical perspective, it's it kind of makes you wonder how many cures for things have probably been there but never actually made it to to a drug because of these commercial decisions i mean uh, that yeah i mean after, i had to take a second to let that sink in when you first uh, when we first discussed it and and you know yeah it's, it's amazing when you ponder that thought it's probably best not to ponder that thought too much really but and then you come down the chain so that they don't get to market so sometimes the best drugs don't get to market and then you take that down the chain to a clinician prescribing a drug and they're obviously hampered limited biased towards which drugs work but it, you know they're not given the you know, it's, it's like trying to fix a car without the best tools, isn't it, really? Yeah. Or, or the it's right exactly tools. That. Yeah. yeah. And so, so this is something I, you know, I witnessed a lot. This is something where I have literally been the one sat at a, at a screen thinking, blimey, look how well that works, but this company doesn't want to touch it because you know, it's a natural molecule that's approved for supplements or, you know, some other company owns it or actually there was a paper written in the 1970s that hinted that it might be good for cancer, therefore we can never get a patent on it. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of really unsettled me. Um, yeah. And when I was working on the, the aging project, so looking for, for molecules that could slow our rate of aging and improve our health span, what I was seeing was a lot of molecules that we were running through tests that were, were actually giving really good benefit to the cells, but they were all quite well-known molecules um, or combinations of quite well-known molecules that were already approved in markets for supplements. So my view was, okay, we're looking at this data and we've got a batch of molecules that could be drugs here that are going to take 20 years before they ever make it to benefit anybody. Or we've got a batch of molecules on the other side that, yes, we're not going to make hundreds of millions out of it, but these things work really well. They're already approved and we could get them to market as supplements much, much quicker so people could actually benefit from them. So I um, decided to just completely remove myself from the world of drug development 
um, and start my own company called Nichido. And the idea behind Nichido was to take all of the scientific credibility, knowledge and expertise that I had from drug development and bring it into the world of supplements. So actually develop supplements that had some really good science behind them, had good clinical testing behind them, um, but actually things that we could get to market that could benefit people really quickly. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's, that's all supplements, isn't it? They're all, they're all very well tested and uh, backed by science. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> yeah, um, and, you know, and it's, I mean, I knew there was quite a lot of supplements and anti-aging especially had quite a bad rap, um, you know, being snake oil and, and things, but it's not until you actually start looking at, at this sort of um, regulations of getting a supplement to market that you actually start to realize how much rubbish there is out there. I mean, you know, you don't even have to run any clinical trials on supplements. A lot of people think, oh, well, it's got this claim on the bottle saying that it'll, you know, improve my immune system actually that the company that's brought that supplement out does not ever need to run any trials to prove that they just have to have particular levels of say vitamin c in it and then they're allowed to put that claim on it um so yeah many people are very shocked when you tell them that all them supplements they're looking at and on the shelves in boots have had no testing done on them (laughs) it's amazing it is amazing isn't it I'm, I'm, i'm aware of kind of the the very loose kind of um system around around supplements but yeah okay cool so you 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 stepped outside of that world because it didn't didn't fit fit well with you and it i mean it wouldn't it doesn't doesn't with me at all really from the the big pharmaceutical approach um i can understand it from a commercial perspective but uh, there's got to be more to it than that so you you're now out out on out on your own um creating supplements that you believe um are backed by science well they are backed by science but you believe uh, uh, can really uh, help people so what what does that what does that look like what, what, yeah. what are you delivering so one of the as i mentioned at the beginning there are multiple um areas of science in the aging field that have had some big breakthroughs and one of these breakthroughs is surrounding a molecule called nad um, so NAD is a, it's a natural molecule. It is found in every single one of your cells. Um, it's very important in um, how your cells produce their energy. So converting the food that you eat into the energy that your cells need to, to work, basically. And it's also really important in the cells as a signal and molecule that basically tells our cells to keep um, repair, maintenance, and recycling processes essentially switched on. So it's one of these things that we've developed when we were young um, to help keep ourselves in good health. The problem is, as we get older, our NAD levels actually decline. And when these NAD levels decline, it impacts your energy status in the cell because the NAD isn't there to help create that energy. And also because that signal, that NAD signal is weaker, it means that those repair, maintenance and recycling processes in your cell also start to get switched down. So again, one of these things that when you're young, it's working really well to help fix your cells. But as you get older, then it starts to get switched off. It hasn't disappeared. It's just getting turned down. So a lot of scientists said, you know, if, if NAD is, is controlling all these really important energy and repair processes, processes in our cells and it declines with age and all of these things are getting switched off and we're falling to bits essentially, then what would happen if you didn't let NAD get low? So what would happen if as we got older, we kept our levels topped up? Mm-hmm. Um, so they did a lot of experiments in, in cells um, and, and basically show that in cells, if you didn't let their levels of NAD decline, then it, may, it meant that all your repair processes remain switched on, no matter how old the cells were. They then said, okay, let's take this into animals. And they had um, mice that were, had aged naturally. Um, apart from one group of mice, they gave them a supplement every day in their water, which kept their NAD levels high. And when you look at the, the videos of these mice, the, the ones that didn't have anything to keep their NAD high 
are like, you know, elderly mice with characteristic signs of aging. And then the ones that are exactly the same age that had something to keep their NAD levels high are running around like young mice. Um, absolutely nothing wrong with them. Half, 50% less cancer, um, you know, neurologically completely fine. And that is by something as simple as just giving them a supplement in their water. This is no crazy experiments or anything. This is just giving them something in their water every day um, to help their NAD levels stay high. And now there's been a lot of research in, in looking at this in terms of um, actually helping with disease. So things like um, fatty liver disease, which people suffer as they, as they get older and diabetes, all of these things have now been associated with having low NAD levels and that lack of repair and control of energy metabolism. So there is a huge amount of evidence now that actually if you can maintain your NAD levels as you get older, or if you already have had a drop in your NAD, if you can boost it back up to youthful levels, then you can actually switch all these maintenance and repair processes back on in the cells. You can increase the function of your mitochondria to produce more energy. And there is, because NAD is found in every single cell in your body, the benefit you get is literally body wise wow okay and just just have interest how did you zoom in on because there must have been lots of different areas you could have zoomed in how did you zoom in on nad yeah so so there was there was lots of other areas we were working on including the senescent cells that i had spoke about earlier uh, but i guess for us um there was a couple of reasons one was that we just happened to find a good combination of molecules that worked really well to boost nad levels um, and that was just one of the the things the, the experiments we had that paid off early but two i think this idea that because nad is so fundamental in your biology that actually by affecting something that's in every cell you can actually see real improvements um, so we we've tested um the the supplement in in clinical trials um, and uh, we we sell it now and you know one of the the well a couple of the 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 feedback that we get back from people is um, a couple of main things. So one is their energy, saying, you know, they, they, they begin to feel like just a real fatigue, a real lack of energy, a kind of, I can't be bothered anymore. I just want to sit in my chair. I can't be bothered to exercise when I get home from work kind of thing um, to actually boosting their NAD levels and then being like, I've got so much energy. I just want to go out. I want to get on. I want to do things. Um, the other thing is the, the, the mental energy and uh, mental sharpness. So a complete change in the sort of brain fog almost disappearing. Uh, people who, who report feeling very um, not mentally focused, lost mental sharpness, feel like there's a fog you know, saying, actually, I just can, I can think clearly, I can focus much longer, I can focus later at night when I couldn't before. Um, the other thing is sleep. So NAD is so, so regulated in terms of your sleeping patterns, your circadian rhythms. Um, so if you were to look at the way your NAD fluctuates throughout the day, it's, it's sort of cyclic in that um, it, it rises and falls throughout the day, a bit like your melatonin does, which helps you sleep wake patterns. And it's very well known that as we get older, our sleep becomes disrupted and we don't get the quality sleep. And this is a lot to do with the fact that our NAD levels are falling and they've become dysregulated. And actually, if you can get them looking more like the youthful patterns of NAD that you had when you were younger, it really benefits your sleep. And we get a lot of feedback from this. And Okay. But I mean, in general, NAD has been, has been demonstrated to help a lot of age-related diseases. Uh, one of the big ones are, is the neurological decline, Alzheimer's, dementia. Um, there's a lot of evidence that low NAD levels contribute to this. And actually by um, boosting NAD levels up, um, you, you can actually really reverse some of the, the signs and symptoms of it wow okay and why why haven't we heard about nad i mean you know we we, we you know in the wider wider health space 
we talk about hormones, testosterone, insulin, or, you know, why, why is NAD kind of slipped through the net, do you think? So funnily enough, um, in the UK, we're a little bit behind. <laughs> um, so in America, it's actually a lot more well known. Um, so our, our main consumers of our product are American based um, you know, talk about NAD in America, a lot more people have heard about it. Mm. Um, it's a known beneficial thing. A lot of the practitioners uh, will use it over there as a preventative health kind of measure. Um, but here, for some reason, that the science just hasn't really started appearing yet. But that's why I would like to change. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it, can you get tested for NAD levels? So the, for NAD, um, I get asked this question a lot. So unfortunately, at the moment, there's no kind of like home testing kit or there's no, uh, you can't kind of go to your doctor and go measure my NAD levels because they'll just look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately, NAD is quite a, an unstable molecule. Um, so it has to be tested under very controlled conditions. So when we do our clinical trials, um, the, the blood is drawn from the volunteers. It then goes immediately on ice, then immediate to, immediately to the lab where the blood is then separated into its individual components. Um, and then those things need to be cryopreserved very quickly to prevent the NAD from, from degrading. So um, you can't measure it yourself um at the moment and any, anybody that tries to say you can be very wary <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing in the states you could probably get it done but it's probably very very expensive yeah it, it's, it tends to be tied with having to be on a trial or with some sort of academic institute because the way that you measure it the technique is is a fairly complex scientific technique interesting so um have you come across any any kind of barriers to to or any any struggles any challenges you've had with with the Nuchido company and, and launching the, the NAD plus products that you've, you 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 kind of getting out there? Yeah, I guess you know one of the one of the main things for us is that perhaps you know I went into this slightly naively thinking. Um, look at all this amazing data that we've got that shows that, you know, um, this supplement reverses aging in cells and it boosts your NAD levels and it, you know, all the signs and symptoms of aging in the cells are reversed. The problem that we have was like, this is like a marketing person's dream to be able to put something on the table, which actually shows this is anti-aging. Here is the data to prove it works. This is not 20 women saying their husband said they looked younger, anti-aging <laughs> study, you know? This is like real science. Yeah. Like, this is like, you know, crazy science compared to the science behind some of the other stuff that's out there. So, you know, this is going to be so easy. <laughs> um, that was a bit naive because actually it's, it's the regulations make it really hard um, to talk about the science because for say so, say anti-aging supplements and cosmetics the definition of a say a cosmetic as is a classic example is that it does not alter the physiological structure of the skin um, it just improves its appearance so if we start to claim that look this is boosting your NAD and it's repairing your DNA damage they become very like Oh, it's a drug. <laughs> I see. So even though all these molecules are listed as, um, you know, safe, the supplements or the things that can be in topical products, and um, if you start making any claims that are are, are drug-like, then we will get sent down the route of, you know, these things are too powerful, so put them into a twenty-year clinical trial, and you know, we'll not see the light of day again. <laughs> wow. wow okay yeah i mean so, it's, it's probably why yeah. probably why the supplements don't bother with the scientific research isn't it, <laughs> yeah, it that is part of the problem the problem is that the regulations are so backwards that it's like why would we bother investing time and money to show that something works so well when we can never actually talk about it ironic 
really ironic isn't yeah. it oh but man yeah so you know we're at the minute we have the you know the world leading nad booster we've compared it with any competitors uh, their products work where they boost your nad like 60 percent as boosts it 242 percent in a clinical trial however you know advertising that is tricky <laughs> yeah I, I yeah yeah it must be a minefield um and there's no with supplements like that there's no uh, uh sort of absorption issues um actually being able to take the supplement and, and utilize it yeah so so my background for my phd was all about absorption so when we have been developing the supplement, we've been very careful about the, the levels of the ingredients in there to make sure that there's enough in there so that actually by the time you account for some being lost through the digestive system, that you'll still get efficacious amounts within the cells. So that's something that that bioavailability that, that we've been really, you know, key on, on trying to get that right during its development. Um, and then I guess, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's, you know, supplements, drugs, topicals, food, everyone's an individual and everyone reacts to things differently um, due to the complexity of our, our biology. So just like, you know, some people um, can't take specific drugs, some people can't take specific supplements, some people can't eat gluten, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, the only the only difference between all these molecules is that um, somebody in an office somewhere or in a lab somewhere has sat and said, okay, this molecule is a drug and this one is a supplement and this one is a nutrient. Yeah. Our body doesn't see them any differently. No. It doesn't say, oh, there's a drug coming in, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? It really does make you wonder. Yeah. Um, what's yeah <laughs> the more i think about it the more i think it kind of um opens up a minefield doesn't it in that whole yeah. space like you know i you know i commend you for for having spent your kind of life work navigating navigating those minefields and and it's especially in in the in the pharmaceutical space um nicola i'm just mindful of time and um i want to be respectful of your time um where, where can people find i mean you've given us so much i mean it's been real it's been a real schooling from my perspective and i thought i knew a little bit about um the human body um but it's, it's been incredibly valuable uh for, for 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 me and and i'm sure it will be for the audience when we put this out and they listen to it and you know you you drop some absolute bombshells that i don't think people um should be overlooking in their own health their own life and, and the people around them as well so thank you very much for that and thank you very much for the work that you're doing the, the excellent work that you're doing um i just wanted to acknowledge that and uh, please tell us where we can find out about you um nad plus um, the company and everything else no, thank you so much. I really appreciate that because that, that is literally my mission to try and make this science available to people. So yeah, if you, if you want to follow me, um, it's at Dr. Nicola Conlon on Instagram. Um, I do a lot of just this kind of educational type of stuff. And then, and then our company is Nuchido, which is N-U-C-H-I-D-O. And you can find our, our company at www.nuchido.com. Uh, we've got quite a lot of information on our website about NAD. Um, also, if you if you Google me, you'll find I've done quite a few um, talks on NAD and aging, which are on, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, happy for anyone to get in touch if they want to learn a bit more. <laughs> Wicked. Yeah, no, that's that. I certainly found you for Instagram and, and I loved the, the messages you were trying to get across and are trying to get across to, to people about this this paradigm shift of, of, of how to view their health span, their life, their longevity. So it's, it's awesome work and, and it's a message that, that needs to be, needs to be spoken about. So thank you very much. Awesome. No Nicola, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Nick. There you go, guys. Another episode. What a fascinating conversation. Um, I can't quite uh, emphasize the importance for me to kind of understand this and, and really, um, make it clear for 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 
for non, the non-scientific community to understand um, how we can impact our longevity and health span. It really is uh, part of my absolute core message and value. So, you know, thanks again to, to Nicola for jumping on and chatting about that. And hopefully you've got massive value for that um, from that episode. And if you want to take Nicola up on her offer and try uh, NAD Plus and um, learn more about how that can help you, um, I've I've got you guys a discount code. So if you go to nuchido.com, that's N-U-C-H-I-D-O.com, um, and use code ELEMENTAL, all capitals, ELEMENTAL, all capitals at checkout, you will get 20% off your first order. Um, so go over there and check that out and enjoy. Before you disappear, please jump onto your podcast app and leave us a review, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. Um, it really does help get the message out. And any feedback, any contact, any suggestion for guests, anything else you need from me, um, drop me a message, Facebook, Instagram. It's at The Knock. That's T-H-E-N-O-Q. And I will see you next time.